Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here, and the phone number again, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. But I want to welcome to the program Patrick Sebastian. He is a partner with Opinion Diagnostics. Their website is opiniondiagnostics.com. Uh, Patrick, how are you? I'm great, Pete. How are you doing? I am doing all right. And uh, all right, so uh, Opinion Diagnostics, this is a polling outfit, right? Data analytics, market research. You do, uh, uh, you ask people political questions predominantly? Political, and we, did, we actually just did a big survey for the uh, NCAA on sports betting. Uh, we released that the week before last. Okay. Uh, all right, so you put out a, uh, a poll into the field, as it were, and uh, what you're asking about uh, people's sentiments on uh, on the presidential uh, nominee, potential nominees. This is in North Carolina only, correct? It is. It's in North Carolina only, and with, with the Republican convention coming up this weekend, we have uh, DeSantis is speaking so is Trump and so is Pence during the same weekend. So I thought, why don't we go out in the field? And we found some interesting data uh, with, with President Trump leading the uh, nine, uh, eight-way race with 44%, with the next highest person getting 22%. That's Ron DeSantis, so two-to-one advantage for the former president with Nikki Haley at seven, Pence at six, Scott Tim Scott at four, Christie at two, uh, Asa Hutchinson and Vivek Ramaswamy both had uh, 1%. 11% undecided. All right, so Trump leads the field, and that is, as as far as you know as well, right, that is in line with what we are seeing nationally? It is largely in line, in line with what we're seeing nationally. We actually, and we also did a state poll in Massachusetts that saw the same thing. There were some polls nationally that had DeSantis performing really well uh, beginning of this year and end of last year, but it really seems that the indictment of, of the former president and New York State caused him to have an, a huge increase in the Republican primary. He's, he's taken a huge lead since then, and it's really undisputed at this point that he's the, he is going to, you know, if the election were held today, he would be the likely nominee. So the, uh, but, you know, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, though, when we, we also did test Trump versus Santos, just those two. Mm-hmm. And it, it is interesting, in, in that matchup, President Trump has 50%, Governor DeSantis, has 35%. So it goes from a 22% lead uh, for Trump down to a 16% lead for Trump if it's just Trump versus DeSantis. So the, the really important part is going to be whether Republicans can consolidate against, you know, behind really one candidate uh, when things get rolling uh, to see if that one person can consolidate enough non-Trump support to, to take the nomination from them. And, so, yeah, and, and how do the undecideds break? Do they go for um, are, are they are they hardcore never Trump inside the GOP primary, um, or do they or do some of them break for Trump? And if he's already at roughly fifty percent, um, that but that might be his ceiling in the GOP primary, might it? It, it, it very well may be. Uh, I would be surprised if it goes much higher. I mean, look, if if this were the twenty twenty, he's not in the strong position he was in twenty twenty, where he won you know eighty plus percent. Mm-hmm. He's not running as if he's an incumbent, so that is something to note that 
over 50 percent of the electorate is not supporting President Trump to win the nomination again. And all seven of his rivals collectively garner the same amount of support as Trump. And we just got to see if one can consolidate all that support into one person. DeSantis, I will say, in the one-on-one matchup, he did gain more uh, of an increase than Trump did as far as, you know, compared to the eight-way race. Right. So he's picking up the anti-Trump sentiment, obviously, um, if he's, he's the only other candidate. Yeah. Um, all right. So now let's t- so that's the that's the primary Republican voters looking uh, towards Donald Trump in the GOP primary. All right. Let's get outside of the primary. Assume Trump wins the, the nomination. Now he's up against Biden. How does he look statewide in that contest? Yeah. So we have Trump beating uh, President Biden by about two and a half points. Uh, and he, you remember, he won the state of North Carolina by about one one point three points in 2020. So he is doing slightly better than he did in 2020. Uh, he, uh, I will, I will tell you that among unaffiliated voters, Trump is winning by four points, 38 to 44, uh, with 27% of those folks saying they would vote for someone else or undecided. I will note, we, we added someone else as an option because there is a potential for a third party to make the ballot. Mm-hmm. And someone else was 12.6% in our poll with undecided being 4.7%. Do they That's actually, keep your eye on. yeah, but do they actually ever pull the, I mean, look, as a longtime observer of this yeah. stuff and a one-time registered libertarian, I can tell you a lot of times people go in there and they're like, oh, I'm going to vote for the libertarian. And they go in there and they vote for the Republican or Democrat. They just, because yeah. they, they, they feel like they have to vote for one of those two parties. Right. That, that, and that does happen most of the time. You Sometimes you'll see a Libertarian or Green Party. They'll poll really highly, and then they'll it'll come back down to earth. Yeah. It's really going to depend if there is a super well-funded third-party candidate that's kind of uh, – it's going to have to be someone very well-known and very respected to really play. Uh, but we decided to go ahead and put that on the ballot just to, just to see if, if anything was interesting on that. Yeah. Well, it's uh, still a pretty sizable number. It, it is a sizable number. It is a sizable number. But, you know, the former president does win unaffiliated. Um, so that is something to kind of keep our eye on. And President Biden is just, you know, only having 40 percent of the of the electorate is really poor right now for him. Yeah. Yeah. Forty percent. And that's a constant. It seems like that's a, that, that's pretty stable. Um, yeah. So now uh, you well, also it's, asked. It's, the- it's low enough. It's low enough. P. I'll just I'll just know it's, it's low enough for Democrats to have to, you know, it's but um, Talk about the DeSantis numbers. Uh, you know, we have we have DeSantis actually winning by over five points mm-hmm. against uh, against Biden. Uh, so a noticeably higher number than Trump. In fact, his five point lead is enough for Democrats to really consider: Do they want to pour in a hundred million dollars in North Carolina? Is it really worth playing in, or should they go play in and protect the states of Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and hold those instead of trying to play in North Carolina? Right, because what your poll indicates is that there, while Trump does beat Biden, it's uh, a narrower win than a DeSantis uh, beating of Biden. But for Democrats, Biden still loses. Either way, the polling shows Biden yeah. still loses. And so, yeah, like you said, do you do you even bother to try to uh, spend money in this state uh, unless you know maybe you throw some in there for the. Uh, uh, for some congressional races or something more more localized races, or or you use a head fake, you know, for, you know, say you're going to spend a bunch of money and then not actually ever spend it. Uh, that that's possible too, right. I guess. Um, all right, so sure. you also uh, ran some questions on the gubernatorial race. 
uh, for the Republican primary. Uh, I guess probably no huge surprise here that uh, Mark Robinson, that the Republicans like Mark Robinson. No surprise at all. Robinson is leading and leading big at the moment. He comes in with 44%. The next highest is Mark Walker with 7 After that, Dale Falwell with 4%. 38% are undecided. So you have about 56% of the electorate that is either voting for another candidate or undecided. So that is something to keep, that is something to keep in mind. Uh, I don't think it's over yet, although it's just, it's just so very obvious that Robinson is, is the clear front runner on that. Uh, but look, we, we've seen big leads at the beginning of campaigns. Uh, we've seen those go away within a matter of months with a lot of advertising and, and, and uh, really strong earned media. So that, that's still a possibility. The other possibility is that Robinson could very well go on and, and win in a landslide in a primary, just like, uh, Pat McCrory did in 2012 and 2016 and just like, uh, the, uh, Dan Forrest did in 2020. That's mm-hmm. the other possibility. And that may be the more likely at this point. All right, and then what happens when Robinson gets out into the general election? Uh, did I lose you? No, no. I, I, can you hear me? Yep. Sorry, it's a little choppy here. Oh, uh, all right. Well, so what happens when Robinson gets into the general election? Yep. So when you get to the general election, we have uh, him against Josh Stein. Have him winning the general election by about three points against Josh Stein, that's the highest, and that's the highest I've seen in, in quite a while. We have him winning 41 to 38 uh, against, in the general election. Uh, I, think this, I think the Robinson campaign would be very happy about that. Uh, uh, oh, hey, uh, real quick, before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply points. is prepping for its uh, annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self-sufficient um, in the event win. of any emergency. Uh, Things like homesteading, canning, water storage, radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, uh, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does for beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers. Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at CarolinaReadiness.com. That's CarolinaReadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the So there's still a, a pretty good chunk, though, about 15% that are undecided. Uh, and so obviously Stein and the Democrats are going to try to uh, weaponize uh, uh, all of the, uh, the public comments or, or the private comments that Robinson has made to try to destroy him you know, with these ads about uh, you know, his Facebook comments and the comments he makes in churches and stuff. So there's, that's still very much in play. It's still very much, uh, uh, I, would, I would call this a toss-up still. I think you're absolutely right. It is a toss-up. Both of both Robinson and Stein lead among their uh, respective primaries by 60 points each, and unaffiliated to give Robinson a 16 percent point, a uh, 16 point edge. Uh, so Stein's got some. Uh, it's really some making up. Really strong on their basis, though. And so it, I think I think the idea that we're going to have a blowout like we did in 2012 with McCrory or or in 20 or in 2004 with Easley is. is not going to happen. I think you're going to see another race decided by under five points yet again. Yeah. All right. Patrick Sebastian, partner with Opinion Diagnostics. I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. You got it. All right. Take care. And their uh, polling is now out just ahead of the North Carolina GOP convention this weekend in Greensboro. 
All right. Hey, real quick. It is estimated that more than 6 million Americans have Alzheimer's. It affected my family. My grandpa had it. New research and treatments are showing promise, but there's still a long way to go. So can you help me by supporting the Alzheimer's Association's Western Carolina chapter? The Family Dance Party Charlotte's on June 10th from 1 o'clock until 5 o'clock. It's at the Roxbury Nightclub in Uptown Charlotte. Go to Mix1079.com and get tickets and come bust a move on the dance floor or donate tickets to a family that's battling the disease. The Family Dance Party is presented by Jameson Realty. Again, if you can help us out, I appreciate it. Go to Mix1079.com and thank you for considering the request. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. So there you have it, the uh, the poll results from... Uh, Opinion diagnostics. And again, remember, this, these are snapshots. You want to look at the trend lines, which is you know what they do, which is important. They they keep a trend line going so they can tell you this was you know higher and lower, which you heard Patrick uh, Sebastian uh, go over. Uh, and like the key piece for me, especially in light of the news about Trump's indictment looming, um, is that when he got indicted by the Manhattan DA, it apparently prompted that very kind of rally around the victim uh, or the rally around the target kind of uh, reaction. You had people that that now threw their support behind Trump. Now, I don't know if we see a similar effect like that with this latest in- indictment, if it comes, but and, and because it it may have more meat on the bone than and be a solid case. I don't know if it is. I'm just saying if if it is a solid case. Well, I mean, anything is going to be more solid than the one out of New York. Then that's. Obviously ridiculous. Legal analysts were like, this is a stupid case to have brought. But whatever. Uh, maybe you know, maybe there's a different reaction. I don't know. What do you think? Let me go over here and get uh, Greg on the program. Or, oh, yeah, Greg, although I'm not sure this is actually on topic. Hello, Greg. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. Uh, hope you don't mind backing up a few uh, minutes into the uh, area of gerrymandering. Would that be okay? Yeah, that's, uh, I'm... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did we mention gerrymandering? Were we talking about that? Oh, yeah, b- briefly. But, okay. But uh, I would just open it up and uh, ask the audience, uh, you know, the, the one-way street that the libs call gerrymandering, uh, if they're familiar with that, and if they've ever heard the name Mel Watt. I don't know if you remember his politics in this area, but... Uh, uh, an African American congressman uh, from uh, a long district. I'll mm-hmm. leave it at that. Yeah, the yeah the the gerrymandered uh, district that ran all the way up to Greensboro and at points was uh, was simply I eighty five. Well, but it wasn't gerrymandering back then. That wasn't the name given to that move, was it? Well, it was by the Republicans that sued and won over that, and those maps were drawn by none other than my good friend Ray Cooper. Um, so when he was in the Senate, yeah. Uh, so I'm saying that uh, to the libs, gerrymandering is the name of a one-way street. I got you. Greg, I appreciate the call. Yeah, no, it's different when they do it. That's the that's the standard here. It's different when they do it. And remember, uh, when they draw gerrymandered maps, those are called fair maps. When Republicans draw gerrymandered maps, those are gerrymandered maps. Okay. Um, let me get Jimmy on next. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, Pete. Hey, what's uh, going on? I, I don't get. I mean, I'm a Trump supporter. I believe in Trump. Okay. I think he 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 he, he was good. He's okay. Good for the country. But I don't see how he can win in the general. I I I don't see how he can win in the general. That 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 I mean, winning 
you know, the Republican side, it's fine, but winning the general is what you, you go in there to run. And I don't see it. I don't see him winning anybody from the middle, which that's the deal. Mm-hmm. Winning the people in the middle because, you know, I listen to you show about every day. There's people who don't listen to any of that type of stuff, and they're just going off of what they see right off the bat. Right. Oh, he's going to jail. Why am I wasting my vote? Right. I think he's also a known quantity at this point. Right there, everybody. Everybody knows who he is. There's no more. There's nobody out there that doesn't know who Donald Trump is. And I would submit that was beforehand too. But before in 2016, right, people knew him from The Apprentice. Or, you know, they knew him from uh, Home Alone or whatever. They, they, he was not a politician. And there's, I think, Mark Robinson. He gets a lot of this benefit as well. Is that a lot of people don't really know him when he's making this run for governor. Um, now, four years later, for Trump. Everybody knows who he is. They have their opinions already formed. I, I I don't know how you I don't know how you convince people in that middle, as you said. I think that's a yeah. I I think that's going to be a a big question for Republican voters in the primary. Jimmy, I appreciate the call. Oh, hey, real quick before I forget, Carolina Readiness Supply is prepping for its annual Heritage Life Skills event. It's coming up in July, and you can learn how to be better prepared and self sufficient in the event of any emergency. Things like homesteading, canning, water storage. Radio communications, herbal remedies, home defense, fermenting vegetables, all sorts of stuff. This is what Carolina Readiness Supply does. For beginners all the way to the most experienced preppers, Carolina Readiness Supply can help. Get your tickets now at carolinareadiness.com. That's carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com. Stan says, Pete, I liked your comment about if somebody tells you uh, that they know what's going to happen with regard to the election, you would like them to give you the winning lottery numbers. It is amazing the number of people who believe in astrology and or have a psychic ability and a financial advisor, or have a psychic advisor and financial advisor, that says you have you know limited or no faith in at least one of them. Sometimes you're just too logical, Pete. I enjoy the show. Uh, yeah, look, I 2016 humbled me uh, because I relied on the polling, as many people did. And what 2016 taught me was I should not do that. So polls are interesting. I I, I don't, it's, I was never really a big, you know, consumer of all the polls and, you know, tracking everything. I, I, I don't. I'm more interested in a, in a trend line. I like real clear politics. They give you the, uh, the overall average of the polls and you can see the trend lines and stuff. But I stopped, I stopped monitoring that stuff on a regular basis. So I have Patrick Sebastian on um, to talk about the polling because the general trend is holding, which is Trump wins the GOP primary, although DeSantis seems to be closing some of that gap. But if Trump's um, numbers in North Carolina are any indication, they've remained fairly constant at about 50 percent. That might be his ceiling. Seems to be his ceiling because he doesn't pick up a huge margin after that in a general election. So uh, but he does win a general in North Carolina. But he only wins it by about two points or so, which is within the margin of error, right? So 
it's basically a toss-up. To me, in my mind, it's a toss-up. But So I'm not going to predict. If I had to, you know, gun to my head, I had to make a prediction, I'd say, yeah, Trump probably carries North Carolina again, just like he did last time. I would rely on the past performance. He only won the state by about, what, 1%, 1.5%, so it'll be close. But I don't know. He could lose it, too. But according to the, the other trend, and this is seen in other states as well, which is DeSantis has a higher margin over Biden. You know, the problem the problem for Biden is Biden, right? And so the Democrats are going to have to try to overcome, because just like people know Trump, they know Joe. And so you're going to ask them, do we want four more years of Trump? And, uh, you know, and, and look, you could be a huge Trump supporter, and that's fine, but you have to acknowledge it's exhausting, right? <laughs> I mean, I, just because... Uh, not just because of him and his actions and what he says and tweets and everything else, but because of the attacks against him. It's relentless and it's just, it's every day, it's something else, right? Now, keep in mind, I'm not, all right, don't hear what I'm not saying, as Vince Coakley likes to say. It's a great expression. But when we saw the bounce that Trump got after getting indicted by the Manhattan District Attorney, Is it possible that there are people that are leading investigations into Trump that now see the indictment as a way to boost his electoral prospects in the primary? And might they be interested in doing so? I'm not saying that they're all corrupt. I'm not saying, but. Just think about it. If you are, let's say you are corrupt. Let's say you are a partisan hack prosecutor. And you just saw that Trump's numbers went up after he got indicted in Manhattan. That there's this rally around uh, the candidate effect that occurs. Do you factor that into your decision? Now, of course, all of the legal beagles will say, no, of course not. You just go where the evidence takes you, blah, 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 blah. But let's just for a moment pretend that there may be just a teensy-weensy little bit of partisan politicking going on inside the DOJ. Okay? Just just hear me out. Let's just spitball this. If you know then that, or you, you've seen some evidence, right, that there's this rally around the candidate effect, do you move forward with the indictment in order to induce a similar reaction? And why would you do that if you don't like Trump? If you're a partisan hack and you hate Donald Trump, why would you do that? To help him win the uh, the primary. By helping him win the primary, you're helping Joe Biden win the general. Right? That's three-dimensional chess. It's not even really three-dimensional chess. It's it's just it's looking two steps ahead, right? Which is chess. <laughs> it's just regular chess. So that that's the kind of thinking that you have to consider. Right. We have to consider this. I I don't know that anybody is thinking in those terms. But I guess it's possible if I can think of it. Why couldn't they? Right. Because this is actually part of the strategy that was used in 2016 that actually propelled Trump into office where you had people inside the, the campaigns of, you know, Rubio and Cruz and Jeb. And uh, 
uh, Chris Christie, right? I think he was in the race. Lindsey Graham, and they and they were they at first they were ignoring Trump and they were going after each other because they saw they they all thought Trump would go away, right? So they made these these moves based on what they thought the the second or third move down the line was going to be. Like Ted Cruz, for example, he was making a play that he expected Trump to be out, and he would then hoover up all of those Trump voters. That was his that was his play. So that's why he allowed Trump to say the things he said about his wife, making fun of his wife's appearances or appearance, um, uh, the way she looked. Right. Called her ugly. Called he called his wife ugly. And Ted Cruz took it. Right. Um, It's why he allowed him to say what he said about, uh, you know, his dad being an assassin. Right. Because he didn't want to alienate the Trump voters in the primary. The problem was is that he never could get enough support because he got John Kasich in the whole time. And so Kasich is now peeling votes away that Trump or uh, Cruz was hoping to otherwise get as a non-Trump. The Lincoln Project is doing this very same tactic right now and have been, right? They're now trying to tear down DeSantis and all others so they can keep going after Trump as the nominee because their paychecks depend on it. The Lincoln Project, these are the old... Uh, Republican consultants that gave us the uh, the dynamism of campaigns uh, for Mitt Romney and John McCain and all of those victories. These are the same people, right, that are now telling us how bad Trump is for the party and um, and how he needs to be defeated. Yet they also attack every single other Republican because their paychecks, their donors want them to keep hitting Trump. And if Trump goes away, if Trump loses in the primary, then their paychecks dry up. So these, these are the things you got to keep in mind, right? We all have to keep this stuff in mind as to when we see attacks and ads and information and stories coming out, you got to think, you know, what's the motivation? Um, there was a question on the polling here also about the medical marijuana. 78% support the medical marijuana legislation that's moving through the, the General Assembly. 78%. Um, uh, there is also about a 60, 59 percent uh, approval or support for penalty as a sentencing option. In some cases, a first degree murder. So, yeah, 60 percent approve. So there you go. That's the latest from Opinion Diagnostics. All right. Now, you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's military surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Alright, so I did go back and check uh, after Caller John in the um, uh, first hour uh, we were talking about the FD-1023, this form that is filled out by whistleblower, uh, confidential human source to the, uh, to the FBI, and uh, this form that the, the House Republicans on oversight, they've been uh, asking for from the FBI that this, this form exists, this document exists, and they threatened the FBI with contempt of 
Congress, where the FBI director, Christopher Wray, who first, the FBI said, the form did not exist. And then when they when the FBI was told, we know it exists because we've seen it, then they were like, oh, that one, yes, we have it, uh, but you can't see it. And then they said, okay, well, we're going to hold you in contempt because it's not classified. We have a right to see it. So then they said, okay, you can come see it, but just the chairman and the ranking uh, Democrat, Jamie Raskin. So James Comer and Jamie Raskin, uh, they go in and they look at it. This was earlier this week. Afterwards, Comer comes out and says, yeah, we're going to keep pursuing it, try to get the, the letter uh, and or get this form, this document. Raskin comes out and lies. Raskin comes out and says that this is about Rudy Giuliani's documents or something or other. The question was whether or not it was about Burisma, whether it was about Ukraine. It was. So what Raskin lied about, though, was that this form, this document that we're talking about, it's not the one with Rudy Giuliani. There was one that was filed in 2017 by this whistleblower who is a paid informant for the FBI. And this person has given the FBI all sorts of intel and has been paid hundreds of thousands of dollars over years and years and years because they pay their human sources, apparently. Well, that's how you get the best stuff, like the Steele dossier. Right? A member of the House Oversight Committee claimed that the FBI is afraid that the informant on this would be killed if they are unmasked. Representative Anna Paulina Luna from Florida, Republican, said just left a meeting with House Oversight and the FBI is afraid their informant will be killed if unmasked based on the info he has brought forward about the Biden family. Now, is this person, is this informant from Ukraine? Or is this informant afraid of getting whacked by the Bidens? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. That's what she said. That's what they were told earlier this week. And then last night, Christopher Ray caved. And they said, okay, we're going to let Congress look at, uh, the, or the committee members look at the document. But they're going to have to do it in a skiff. So they all got on the boat and they start, no, I'm kidding. The, uh, no, it's, well, yes, a skiff is a boat, but it's not, it's uh, it, the, the skiff, the SCIF. This is like the room that you go into. It's like a Faraday cage kind of thing. Like you can't bring a cell phone, can't take notes. You can go in there and you can look at the item and that's it. And then you leave. Unless, of course, you're like a, a Clinton advisor, uh, like Sandy Burglar, in which case then you can, you know, stuff a bunch of documents down your pants and steal them. So this way nobody uh, can ever connect you to the uh, the intelligence community failure to uh, predict 9-11. Anyway, um, that being said, the members of Congress on this committee, the House Oversight Committee, they got to look at the document. And Marjorie Taylor Greene just came out and gave a, a briefing on what was in it. And it is about Hunter Biden... Ukraine and Burisma. And the confidential human source apparently told the FBI bribery is afoot. So to John's point earlier in the program, we have William Barr that has emerged over the last 24 hours to say that Jamie Raskin is lying. This has nothing to do with Rudy Giuliani. He did not shut down this investigation. In fact, he kicked it over to 
the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office to prosecute or to look into, to investigate, right? I think that's where it went, Delaware. He kicked it over to Delaware, but then nothing ever happened with it, apparently. Why not? Why not? This was 2017. What happened? And Raskin's lie, and I have his statement here that his office put out, he says, I stand 100% by my statements that we were told by the FBI team that visited us on Monday that the Department of Justice team of prosecutors and FBI agents under U.S. Attorney Scott Brady determined there were no grounds to escalate their probe from an initial assessment of the allegations surfaced by Rudy Giuliani to a preliminary or full-blown investigation, and that it was therefore closed down. If Barr has a problem with his characterization, his problem is not with me, but with the FBI. So did the FBI tell Raskin and Comer this? Or is this only what Raskin is saying and, they, and that the FBI did talk about some other thing, the 2017 form. And he talked about that initial confidential human source uh, report, that whistleblower report. But Raskin doesn't mention that. He purposefully talks about this one in order to create confusion. Which then, of course, the media amplifies Raskin's report. And people then lose interest. They, don't, they, they can't follow it. What are you actually talking about? And here's the problem for the media and the Democrats, but I repeat myself. You already ran this operation on us. You already did this. And so now, as George W. Bush famously you know, pointed out, trick me once, shame on you, trick me twice, you ain't going to trick me again. right? Like, that's where we are. We don't believe you now. We don't believe you. And so this... Raskin is now playing the role of Adam Schiff for brains. He's now the new Adam Schiff on this committee. Because remember, Schiff got booted because Schiff was engaging in this very kind of behavior. So now Jamie Raskin is doing it. All right, so we'll get into the uh, more of this, these allegations, and we'll we'll hear from Marjorie. T- I haven't even listened to all that she's... I listened to like the first 45 seconds of it. So it's about a five-minute press conference that she just held. We'll take a listen in a minute. Thank <laughs> you. 